live from Naples. This is the morning break with Jane Ritter. Good morning, everyone, from a very, very chilly Naples. Um, this morning, I'm being. I have a fabulous guest, um, Alexandra Pavoski, and I'm so excited about talking to her. Live from Naples, this is the morning break with Jay Ritter on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Okay, um, there's an American writer called Emily Gordon. I'm not sure if you know of her. And she has a, a famous quote about life. And it is, your life story is a gift and should be treated as such. And the person that I am speaking to today has one of the most incredible life stories. And I think it really is, uh, I've got a gift of having her on the program with me this morning. And I'm really, really looking forward to, to chatting to her. It's absolutely freezing, as I said, here in Naples. There is snow on Vesuvius and there is a roaring wind, which I hope won't have an effect on my internet connection this morning. Um, good morning, Tom. Nice to see you here. <laughs> um, I saw Sue a minute ago. Um, she seems to have disappeared um, and I believe I found my my guest. Um, I'll just check and see if this is Alex. Just sent her an invite to come an invite an invite, <laughs> not an invoice, <laughs> an invitation <laughs> to come and speak. Is that Hi, you, Alex? Hello. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> Good. You can hear me. Good morning. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't send you an invoice, Alex. <laughs> yeah. I sent the invitation. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. Even if it's were an invoice, you know, I'd gladly pay it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, how are things with you this morning? Oh, um, fine. As you know, freezing as well, um, as you said, um, as it is in um, where you are in Italy. You know, but it's okay. Um, I'm still on my winter break, so it's nice to be home. You know, warm and cozy. Yeah, exactly. so I'm, I'm okay. Alex, um, your life is—I mean, it—it it could be a film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't know how it would end. Um, there is a sort of, you know, I'll ask you a, a question about your life story towards the end. Um, but could you just tell me a little bit about your journey where okay. you started and, and, and where you are now? <laughs> okay, so um, my professional journey, right? <clears throat> okay. Well, um, it started a long, long time ago. 
um, you know, when I um, think about the year when I started my university, I was like, oh, God, I'm so old. <laughs> uh, I don't feel old, but, uh, you know, it's just the, the, the numbers, you know, when you look at them. Um, so I, um, I started university uh, in Skopje at St. Cyril and Methodius at the English department. And um, I've, I think that I didn't expect really to become an English language teacher because I had some other ideas when I was younger. Mm. But because of the, the, everything that happened to me before I actually enrolled into university, I decided to study um, English language and uh, literature. Um, and um, I did four years of university, um, actually five, because I spent one year in the United States. Uh, I was in college there, um, and it was a great, great experience, something that really helped me shape myself as a person and a future teacher. So when I graduated, actually, I started teaching even before I officially graduated. So I started teaching at this language school in Skopje and the owner of the school, I mean, she's still a friend and um, we see each other and talk to each other even today. I mean, she really, really taught me what it takes to be uh, a teacher, mm -hmm. a teacher who cares about um, her students, um, someone who does the job well, who is professional, responsible. Um, and I spent about oh god i can't remember how long i was there okay five years i was there for five years and then um i moved um to a different town um and that's when i decided that i want to start my own language school yeah and that's what i've been doing ever since so since 2002 i've had my own language school uh and it's the best job that i could have ever asked for i mean i, I Even... really love it yeah, even with all the responsibility of running a business. Exactly. Well, it's yeah. not easy as, as as you know, you know, having mm. your own business is not something that I I would recommend to people who expect to earn a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> so ELT business is not how you get rich, at least not for me and in my context. But I always say that I don't have the language school because I need the money. It's because I love teaching and I love yep. being a teacher. And that's yeah. my, my first, I would say, uh, professional uh, role. So first of all, I'm a teacher and then I'm everything else. And as I said, that's where I've been uh, since 2002. And I hope that it, I will continue being here for, you know, a long time. <laughs> you, I mean, you, you are more than, um, than a school owner and a teacher. You do um, a lot of other things, um, yeah. particularly with materials. Um, 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 you, I read, I was reading one of your blogs just recently on the three E's of materials writing. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, um, yeah, I love materials writing and I, I write materials for my own school, for my own students. Um, I, I'm currently working on, uh, on a course book that is supposed to be published this year, you know, but it's, it's not um, an easy process and it takes time for something like that. Uh, but I just feel that, 
you know, when I talked about the three E's um, in, in Malta, the conference there, I think that materials, ELT materials can have and should have, you know, the, the, the power to, to lead the, the process of teaching and learning. Mm. And, and I believe that if you have the right materials, and I, I wouldn't say that all ELT materials uh, can fit all contexts. I mean, that's impossible. And they, are not, they may not be perfect. I mean, nothing is perfect in, in life and, and in professional and personal life. But I think that they can really, really help teachers make their teaching and their students' learning much stronger and much better. Um, and I think that that is the purpose of um, uh, ELT materials. It's to educate, engage, and empower. And I think these three things go together and we cannot separate one thing from the other. I mm. mean, it, it, for me, it would be impossible. Um, I know that a lot of teachers just kind of shy away from teaching certain topics or talking about certain topics with their students. But from my experience of almost 25 years of teaching, I can say that our students want to talk about topics that might be considered sensitive and controversial. Um, and I think that as teachers, as educators, we are responsible for these students, not only for their language learning, but also to help them develop as, as you know, people, you know, mm. help them develop their personalities. I mean, we cannot shape them completely, but we can give them a little push. Yeah, uh, you know, in the right direction. So that's why I believe that these three E's are are essential to materials writing. You know, you need to educate them, you need to engage them, and you need to empower them. Definitely. I mean, um, I said we sort of I touched on this this idea last week with Sophia about the actual topics that that we we have in in course books and and sort of readily made materials. Do you think they are engaging and empowering? What What would you change if you were to to rewrite a course book? Well, you know, as I said, course books are an important part of, of teaching and learning, and I adapt them as well. I mean, it's impossible, as I've said before, to find a perfect um, course book. But I just feel that um, we lack... Um, topics that really interest our students, especially teenagers, something that we mentioned earlier today. Uh, teenagers know so much more and they're so much better at certain things than than we are. I mean, it's just amazing what we can learn from them. And I think it's a shame that I know that there is a lot of like market research, but I think that there should be more, uh, you know, focus on teachers and students. Um, you know, um, explore their needs and their interests. Uh, and it's not only about the market and a small group of teachers and students. I need to, I, I would like to see being done globally, mm. you know, at all levels, all stakeholders need to be involved in that process. So I know that certain topics are there because of the, you know, the common European framework and, you know, um, exams, etc. But sometimes I would really, really love to see uh, things that our students are actually interested in. They like to talk about gender equality and gender parity. They like to talk about, you know, um, identities 
different aspects of um, identities. Um, I think that they're also very, very interested in issues such as domestic violence. And you cannot find that in course books, you know, because, again, uh, because of... Um, you know, market research that, um, for example, was done for a certain course book and uh, a publisher doesn't want to include anything like that because it Mm. might be too sensitive. But that's where teachers come in, you know, and that's when we talk about continuous professional development, it's not about, you know, learning how to uh, help them with their reading and speaking, etc. But it's also how to incorporate these topics, how to adapt the materials and incorporate these topics, mm. because that's what they are interested in. Yeah. Um, and you know, and it's impossible to have all the topics that they are interested in in one course book. I mean, they're interested in like. I don't know how many things. It's just insane. <laughs> I do find, I mean, I do find it interesting that of, often when a publisher is is preparing a course book or um, adapting a course book, they have um, focus groups with teachers, yeah. but they don't have focus groups with students. See, <laughs> that's something that needs to change. As I said, I know that they do their market research. I know that they, but I think that they need to expand that and they de- need to include more teachers and they definitely need to include students. They yeah. have to, I mean, they need to have focus groups uh, like that because, you know, even if you ask like our young learners, they will tell you what they want to talk about. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing how much, as I said before, how much they actually know. We don't give them enough credit. I always say that, you know, they're smarter than <laughs> we think they are, <laughs> definitely. And they listen to, to things that we don't listen to and watch things that we don't watch. And, you know, I'm just amazed by how many things they know, things that yeah. I would never even, you know, think about or read about or watch. So, right. yeah. I mean, I, I caught my son listening to a podcast about, I think it was entrepreneurs, and I thought, wow, um, <laughs> why are you listening to that? <laughs> but, yeah. you know, they're, they're, it's, I mean, it's not anything we've ever talked about, but it's it's something that obviously interests him. Yes. And I find it, you know, if, if I could go through his playlist, I could probably learn even more things because he's always, he's always listening to podcasts and always watching yep. documentaries. And I think, wow, um, <laughs> how do you know yes. about it? <laughs> yes. you, you also do a lot of work with stories. Yes. Um, do you want to tell Tell well, everyone um, a little bit about what you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I love reading, first of all. You know, I've been an avid reader since I, I don't know how long. I mean, since I was born, I think. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, you know, I think that I started reading when I was like maybe five, five and a half, because I learned how to read and write from my older sister. Um, and I feel that stories are very important, uh, not only in ELT, but, you know, in life in, in general. Uh, but I also feel that we need to write and listen to and read more than one story. Um, we cannot have a single story about a person or a country or a region. And um, I always say that we never know what stories are behind a person. We never know somebody's not story, but somebody's stories, mm. uh, because we all have so many stories. 
uh, to tell and share with the world. Some of us are much better at sharing these stories with um, the rest of the world and people around us. Some of us just keep them to ourselves. Uh, but I think that the danger of, of single stories is really, really something that we need to, to, to fight. You know, we need to find a way to tell more stories uh, mm. about people and, and places. And that's something that I feel is very important as uh, for me as a teacher, but also as a materials writer. Yeah. And uh, that's something that we can often see, you know, just randomly mention stuff about, I don't know, uh, a certain country or a certain group of people without really exploring more things about them and, and you know, what other stories we can tell uh, about them. Um, and I think that un we need to have stories in ELT materials that are also connected uh, so um, that's something that I talked about in one of my uh, talks for uh, Ayatafel Mossig. You know, um, if you have characters that appear only in one unit or one module, that's very tokenistic and that doesn't tell me anything as, as someone who uses that course book. I would like to see that person or, you know, people actually appear in other units and other modules and connect their stories, for example, through uh, the, the units and the modules. Mm -hmm. And I really want to kind of create, you know, in my mind, uh, People with real identities, they may be fictional characters. We may think that they're fictional, but maybe they, you know, um, the, the writer, the author of the course book was inspired by people um, in their life. So maybe they're real people. And I would like to have that idea of them as real people. But mm -hmm. if I want to have that idea, I need to see them develop throughout the course book. You know, I don't want to see some random names mentioned a couple of times and that's it. Yeah. And you know, um, that's what I try to do when I write materials for my students. So we continue stories about these different characters and we connect them. We make them friends. We make them family. You know, um, they do things together. So stories are very important. Not single stories, but stories, plural. We all have them. And also, um, are they sort of bringing together different cultures? Where you live, exactly. you mentioned it, it's... It's quite it um, a multicultural it is. area. Do you want to tell us a little bit yeah. about that? Yeah. Yes. Well, um, I'm I'm currently based in in Macedonia. I mean, North Macedonia now, and um, it's a very diverse country. Um, we have different religions. We have different um, ethnicities, and I have students who come, you know, from different backgrounds. Uh, so it's very interesting to uh, to see how students from different backgrounds, you know, religion and ethnicity and nationality, how they come together to learn a foreign language and, but they also learn about each other. Mm. Uh, so for me, learning a language is not just about language rules. You know, it's not about uh, grammar and it's not about vocabulary. It's about learning about the world. It's about learning about other cultures. Uh, not uh, just the culture of, of the, the, the language that you are currently, for example, learning, but it's also about learning about the, the students in your class, you know. Um, and I'm happy to see that some, I have students who have been with me for like 10 years, and I'm glad to see that they've become 
best friends, you know, and that some of them have their own families now. And, uh, oh, God, I'm so old. Uh, <laughs> don't, uh, <laughs> don't worry. I have exactly yeah. the, I mean, yeah, one of my – yeah. it, it, it sort of hit me when I had one of my, my favourite younger learners. She started when she was five with me mm. and then – did the CELTA <laughs> a couple of years ago and I'm just yeah. like oh my gosh you have you I've watched you yeah. grow um exactly and yeah. and, it, and it's nice to see that the friendships that they made you know in, in, at my school there's you know they still nurture them and and you know they go to each other's weddings and baby showers you know and and, and birthdays <laughs> they celebrate their achievements together and I'm so glad to see that because that's what language learning is about. It's about learning language and it's about learning about other people and listening to their stories. Yeah. I mean, your story is, um, is a pretty amazing story. Um, and I would assume that, that from your story, you, you probably have a heightened sensitivity towards um, cultural differences um I don't know if you want to um to talk mm -hmm. about it but I know when you became the vice president of IATEFL it was from refugee to IATEFL vice president and a lot of people didn't know that you were a refugee do you want to tell us yeah. that part yeah. of your story yeah, um, you know, it, it means a lot to me that I'm the incoming vice president of IATEFL because I've been a volunteer for our National Teachers Association for 20 years, and I've been a volunteer for IATEFL also for a very long time. Um, and I consider both associations as my professional family. Um, and, and as I said, it means a lot to me because um, English saved me and, and changed me as a person when I was a teenager, when I uh, fled um, Bosnia and Herzegovina because that's my home country and Sarajevo is my hometown and it will always be. You know, so when people ask me where I'm from, I always say I'm from Sarajevo. You know, um, although I, I haven't lived there most of my life. Um, and, um, you know, when the war started, um, it was something that nobody expected. Um, and I, I cannot say anything about that because there are no words that can describe the horrors of war. Uh, but anyway, um, I ended up being a refugee here in, uh, North Macedonia, um, with my parents and my sister. Uh, it took us some time to be together again. Uh, after the war uh, started. Um, and one of the things that I remember vividly is, you know, waiting for the humanitarian aid to at least have some food for, for a week. And I remember my mom being a wizard with one <laughs> egg, half a kilo of flour, and, you know, just <laughs> tap water. And she did, she could do some amazing things with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, I think that that my parents were so supportive and they were so positive about the whole situation. Uh, and that's what really motivated my sister and myself to, to um, go through all things with, you know, um, without regretting 
Mm. Uh, not having certain things because things are not important, you know, material things. They're not important as long as you have your family and as long as you have friends who can support you. Um, you know, and I was still in high school when the whole thing happened and I didn't speak Macedonian at the time. So when I went to to school, um, to the secondary school in Skopje, I mean, everybody spoke Macedonian. I was like, okay. I mean, I, I mean, it's not a completely different language from my first language, but still I couldn't speak it, you know. Mm. Um, and I had to use my, my first language, uh, Serbo-Croatian at the time, it doesn't exist anymore, uh, and English. And that's why I say that English saved me and changed me as a person because when I use my first language, I'm quite shy and people would never say that about me. But when I speak English, I'm a completely different person because I had to be, because I had to make new friends. You know, I had to create this whole new life when I was only 16, I mean, um, 17 years old. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's the main reason, as I said, why I I became an English language teacher. I mean, languages save lives. <laughs> you know, they change people. And, um, you know, um, and it wasn't easy uh, going through that period of my life, being a refugee without any certainty in life, you know, um, whether we will have roof over our heads. Um, you know, um, I would spend uh, days at the university listening to the lectures without, you know, um, anything to, to eat or drink. I would have to wait to go home and, and, you know, have at least some food, you know, but it's, it's, it's an experience that led me to where I am right now. Um, and I don't regret anything about it. And I think that life just teaches you what kind of a person you are and what kind of a person you could be. And it's your choice to choose what kind of a person um, you are. Yeah. You know, uh, whether you're going to take this direction or that direction. And I think that I chose the, the right direction. And um, I, I'm happy with who I am and where I am right now. I'd be pretty happy too, and I think you you um you you talk really fondly about um about your family, and I think they you must be like a a very very yeah cl close knit um close knit group. You mentioned your dad started off on yes. the radio <laughs> in Sarajevo, um, yeah. which is, and he sounds yeah. like an extraordinary person. Um, I don't. Anyway, and your mum, your mum has was quite. Your, well, both your parents were quite influential. They they encouraged you not to be afraid. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I guess maybe it's because you know my dad um, was originally from um, from here, from North Macedonia, but he left home when he was only thirteen years old. Uh, and he had to build a whole new life for him. And he ended up in Sarajevo. I mean, who would have ever guessed? And then my mom, she also ended up in Bosnia, although she was born um, and raised in Croatia, for example. You know, um, so they both had to build, you know, these new lives uh, for themselves. And then when they met, you know, they built uh, a new life uh, together. And I just feel that I'm a, a strong person because I saw them being very strong mm. people. 
my mom was also quite strict with uh, my sister and myself. And I, I truly, truly appreciated that at the time and even today, mm-hmm. um, because I think it's very important to know, you know, certain limits and boundaries, you know, that you cannot go over. Um, my dad was also extremely supportive and they both always encouraged us to do our best. And I'm happy to, to say that when, you know, when we were refugees, um, they didn't have to worry about us because we adapted really quickly and easily to the new situation. And we continued with our education. And today my sister is a, a, a very successful attorney with her own law firm in Skopje, you know, doing this amazing legal work. And, you know, I'm, I am what, where I am and, you know, um, now. Um, so I don't think that I, that we would have done all that without having such supportive and strong parents who taught us that we need to accept life as it is, mm-hmm. you know, and make the best of every situation. And that's kind of hard. I mean, it's, it sounds like your father had to build him or your mother and your father both had to yes. build them up, build, rebuild their lives twice. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's why, you know, as I said, that's why I, I truly appreciate what they did for us. And I truly appreciate where I am right now, you know, and what I've done. And they, my mom couldn't have been prouder when I, you know, got my MA from the UK. Um, my dad uh, had already passed um, away at the time, but um, he was very proud of seeing my sister becoming an attorney, you know, me having my own school and, 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 you know, growing my, my professional career. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, people talk about their parents a lot and I always say I'm, I'm really happy and I'm really lucky that I had parents like that. Yep. You know? Yeah. Alex, we're just going to stop for a few minutes for the news. Sure. Okay. And um, we'll be back in a sec. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the program for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
As schools across England struggle to remain open as a result of high staff absence, many head teachers have an army of volunteers on standby. Nadim Sahawi has stated that 8.5% of teachers are in isolation currently and the Department for Education is working on plans to cope with possible absenteeism of up to 25%. Vicky Bingham, head of South Hampstead High School, said she is building an army of helpers in case of need. She tweeted, Everyone is so kind. We've even got a hierarchy for the Ghostbusters, who are you going to call moment, for our cover supervisor. We had so many different types of kind offers, I decided to prioritise them for him. All volunteers will need to receive a DBS check to work unsupervised in schools. In Northern Ireland, a former consultant of a Belfast-based air purification system, Mark Ainsworth, has urged Stormont ministers to install air filtration systems in Northern Ireland schools. He believes the current situation of schools keeping windows open for compulsory ventilation can't go on. He told Belfast Live, My main concern is that children are sitting in freezing classrooms with their coats and hats on because they're so cold. The whole thought process early on in the pandemic was focused on keeping doors and windows open for ventilation. But you wouldn't expect someone sitting in an office to do this, and yet it's what we're asking of our children. Schools need to close the doors and windows, put the heating on, and have an air purifier at the back of each classroom. The HEPA filtration in these units can contain all the COVID virus in the air and allow children to sit in a normal classroom. Our government is still talking about this while other countries are buying these units up. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Last week I looked at some free apps for the New Year's resolution of getting fit and healthy. This week I tried a few things out and I'm ready to present my findings. First up, the free version of MyFitnessPal. There's an old age saying that 90% of fitness is in the kitchen. If you want to get in shape, you have to have the right building blocks to do so. With this in mind, I set out to log everything I ate and for good measure, I even broke out the scales to get portion sizes correct. My first discovery is that... Ola, the recommended portion size, is nothing like the portion I've been having. In fact, I'd go as far as to say that it wouldn't even fill a hamster. Realising I was eating three or four times the portion I was supposed to has made me think about my other choices. So I ate the recommended 45 grams and logged the milk. I was surprised how easy it was to find foods in the search feature, even supermarket brands. The app gave me a calorie target based on my weight, height and goal I'd chosen. As I had a coffee, I decided to map out my day and stick to it to stop myself cheating. After a week of tracking, I reviewed what I was eating. I could see where most fat and calories were coming from, allowing me to consider, I'm not promising anything, where I could make changes. The question you want me to answer is, did I lose weight? The answer is yes, but I think my next experiment had the most impact on that. 
Over the break, I managed to fall asleep watching TV and woke up to an infomercial on a DVD box set to get fit in 60 days. 60 days sounds quite quick, but thinking about it, it's practically two months. However, I did a bit of research and found a program that didn't need any weights or equipment, just floor space. I picked up the Insanity Workout series for around £35 on Amazon. My thinking being, you'd pay that for a month in a gym and I get to keep this forever. Now, I will confess, I do consider myself quite fit already. However, nothing could have prepared me for this. With Sean T, the amazing energetic coach screaming dig deeper and about 20 fitness professionals bouncing around what looked like a high school gym i've spent 45 minutes a day for the past six days jumping stretching squatting and definitely sweating being honest i was ready to tap out after the warm-up on day one i'm not gonna lie i used muscles i don't think i've ever used by day three even sitting still and lying in bed at night hurt after pushing through today on day seven a rest day the pain has subsided and i feel great i just have one word of warning if you're looking to do something like this the long walk from the car park with load books may be impossible in the first week read the disclaimer this is not to be taken lightly in conclusion i can't see myself keeping up my fitness pal once the novelty wears off but it has made me look at my diet a dvd fitness program for me is great finding 45 minutes is not always easy and if you want to try before you buy if you're a member of netflix or prime already there's programs on there which are already in your subscription next, next week, week we're back, back to tech and teaching. teaching i'm steve, steve woods, woods and this was two minute tech two minute tech with steve woods your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. So, <laughs> we're back. Um, yes, I always enjoy the two-minute tech. I'm not sure if, if you've tried any um, anything new this year, Alex. <laughs> yeah, a, a um, bit of yoga, to be honest, you know, but nothing as extreme as this. <laughs> No, no. I, I I remember colleagues of mine a few years ago, um, they were quite hooked on insanity. It didn't last that long. <laughs> no, um, I wouldn't think so. Um, it, it is quite quite a strenuous um, program. So hats off to him. Um, off to a good start for the year. But yeah, no, I can I do I do ten minutes of yoga a day. That's yeah. it, um, and and that's enough, really. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Keep things yeah. calm. Yeah. And also um, having having dogs, obviously, you've got dog too. Mm. Um, they keep us moving. I think I yes. think that's enough. Yeah. yeah, I think that, yeah, I agree. That, that's enough. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, um, you, you've done quite a lot of work with teacher motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to just yeah. um, maybe – debunk a common myth about teacher motivation? <laughs> uh, I don't know how you know that because motivation is something that I wrote um, in my MA assignments a lot. I wrote about it quite extensively because, you know, a lot of people think that teachers need to stay motivated, you know, for like 30, 35 years. And that's just impossible. Um, and uh, I don't think that there is a teacher who can say that they've felt motivated every single day to go into their classroom and teach. I mean, it's just impossible. Um, and I know that we as like teacher trainers and, you know, those who deliver talks and workshops, etc. I know that part of our job um, as teacher trainers and, you know, and, and pr presenters, I mean, it's not a job, but anyway, um, is to motivate teachers. And 
it's difficult because they all work in different contexts. Mm. They all work with different number of students. And, you know, I know teachers who don't even have the basic uh, things that they need to to teach, you know. If you mention like technology, they go like, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's just <laughs> not, impo- you know, it's not possible for me to use technology when I teach because my school doesn't have internet, we don't have computers, etc. So um, I guess that's why we have a lot of teachers who leave the profession because that motivation you know, motivation is not linear, it's dynamic. And I I know personally that I can be very motivated, you know, today and tomorrow, and then all of a sudden, I just don't want to go into class, because I just don't feel motivated enough. Um, and it's because teachers are human beings, and we tend to forget that, mm. to be honest, because we forget that we have our own personal lives. We have personal issues. We might have professional issues, you know, issues at work with uh, people that we work, um, you know, managers. Um, I'm lucky in that um, regard because I'm my own boss, so I don't have to fight with anyone but myself. <laughs> but yourself. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but all that influences us as teachers, Okay, and and that's something that I also talked about at uh, the last um, um, YLTSIG web conference about working conditions. And, you know, they they influence what we do on a daily basis so much. But a lot of people around us and even like stakeholders, ministries and education, they forget that working conditions are essential, good working conditions, if we want to keep teachers motivated and if we want to keep them in this profession. Um, and they kind of ignore that and they think that having constant reforms and introducing text, tech things, uh, that they uh, improve the educational process. No, you need to invest in teachers. Yeah. You need to invest in their professional development. You need to provide professional development opportunities for them, uh, pay for those professional um, opportunities, or at least for some of them. Um, you know, show them that you appreciate them spending five days at IATFL annual conference, for example, or any conference for that matter. You know, our national association has um, events all the time and we really want the, the ministry here to show and acknowledge, you know, the importance of these professional developments because we have teachers who come in, they feel motivated, you know, they want to try all these new things. They go back to their schools the, the, the following day and they have no conditions to teach, you know, the way we yeah. would like them to teach. So motivation is dynamic. One day you're motivated, the next two days you're not motivated. And if we don't keep teachers motivated by supporting them in every possible way, um, we're just, we're just going to keep losing teachers. Um, yeah, and it's 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 such a shame. It is a shame. I mean, I I was an academic manager for about twenty years, and and a lot of a lot of my work was was actually more pastoral care than. I mean, there was obviously the teaching side of it and the timetabling and all that, but a lot of my time was was helping 
um, my teachers, obviously they're living in foreign countries. Some of them didn't have the language that they needed to understand a lot of things. Mm. So um, it, it, it's feeling like you're in a safe place to work and that you can you can talk to your boss helps. Um, mm. and, and then there are um, obviously training opportunities, the opportunity to travel. What we used to do um, originally, my job had IATEFL every year but you know after you've been to IOTEFL a couple of times I, we actually thought it would be better to give someone a, a, a give it to mm-hmm. someone with a different set of eyes yeah. and so every year one teacher would go to IOTEFL on the condition that they would come back and do inset sessions and cascade mm-hmm. the things that they learnt from IOTEFL and that was motivating for the teacher and it was a different teacher each year so everyone had a chance to do it and then um, they would share their findings with um, with staff. Obviously, it's different now. You can just log on <laughs> and yes, watch exactly. everything. Yeah, but, but I still feel that it, online is not my thing entirely. I, I just like being at a conference and talking to people and, you know. Definitely. Meeting yeah. new people. And But as you said, if if teachers don't have the support of their management – they won't be motivated to to teach, no matter how much they love their job and no matter how much they love their students. They need to be supported in every possible way if we want to keep them in the teaching profession. Um, And I emphasize the word teaching profession because I don't like when ELT is being referred to as an industry because I think that we need to be referred to as profession because that's what we are. We all have our, you know, um, qualifications. We all have our professional backgrounds. We continually, continually work on our professional development. And um, that's why I don't think that the the term industry should be used in connection to to ELT. I apologize. I have used it. No, that's uh, (laughs) that's fine, Jane. It's It's just, I think, something, yeah. It makes you think. Yeah, you you are promoting... um, yeah, it is a profession. I, I mean, I oh, yeah. your your presentation at the Emerald Conference was kind of eye-opening to see yeah. how much teachers are being paid around the world. Mm. Um, it's quite so disappointing, isn't it? Well, that's where it is an industry, not a um, yeah, not a profession. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and and you know, if you were a doctor, you would pay, be paid like six times more than that. And you know, it's not like it's not that the teachers don't go through all these professional training things, you know, when constant professional development, I mean, every profession has that, but it seems that teachers are not really perceived and seen as professionals that deserve to be paid. Mm. Okay. For their, for their daily job. Um, and that's something that we need to change, you know? Um, so we don't, so that we don't need to negotiate our rates every single time we get a new student, for example, or we need to have permanent contracts with universities and and schools, etc. But that's a that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't, don't get me started on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, with IATEFL, what are your plans for the future? Well, uh, 
you know, I love Ayatefu, as I said, and um, being a volunteer for um, LTAM, our national association, for so long, and then for Ayatefu, you know, y- you have this insider information, <laughs> and you see how things actually, um, you know, how, how things are run, um, and how things um, need to be run uh, by by people who are involved in running the, the association. And, um, you know, we usually, as members or non-members, it doesn't matter. We only see what we, uh, what is posted, for example, on social media or when you go to a conference, and you don't really know how much work and effort goes into organizing an event and um, how much patience you need to have to negotiate, you know, deals with sponsors, etc. And I'm really looking forward to learning more about IATEFO because. You know, IATEFL is an international association. It's not a national, local association. Uh, but what I would like to see uh, is more um, cooperation and collaboration. Something that I mentioned in my uh, statement is um, uh, between the associates and the special interest groups. Yeah. Because currently I'm a coordinator for the materials writing special interest group. And um, I know you know, how much work goes into um, running a SIG together with the other committee members and how much we put into organizing our PC and our showcase during the annual conference and other events that we have uh, throughout a year. Um, and um, I would just like to see the SIGs who do all this amazing work be connected to these associates who also do amazing work in their local context and and do something together, you know, Mm. create professional development opportunities like events and maybe even resources, materials that would be publicly freely available to all teachers, both members and and, uh, non-members as well. Because IATEFL, first of all, is a charity and IATEFL supports teachers from around the world. Of course, members have their own benefits, mm. uh, but non-members can benefit greatly from IATEFL as well. So I think that's the main focus for me personally. You well, know, I'm being sure. on both sides. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. sure it, it will you will do I mean, everything you do, you do brilliantly. <laughs> so um well, let's, yeah, let's wait and see <laughs> what happens <laughs> once I, I um become a vice president and then president of IATEFL. You know, we all have our plans and ideas of what we want to do, but sometimes, you know, reality is is different and you need to adapt. I mean, I'm good at adapting, but um, if I can do most of the things that I plan to do, uh, I would be really, really happy. Yeah. And run a school and And, also look after a national (laughs) association. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You are amazing. (laughs) You are amazing. Um, What do you think your unique skill is that has helped you become successful um i think it's being positive i consider myself to be a very positive person and you know a friend of mine always tells me oh your optimism is so cute (laughs) (laughs) i'm always an optimist um and i i look at things always from a positive point of view and I, I hate conflict. I hate aggressive behavior. And I, I personally believe that 
it doesn't matter if you have a problem with something or with someone. Um, you don't need to start the conversation um, in, in a negative way and with a lot of aggression. You know, you need to sit down and, and look at things and, you know, from both um, um, from both sides and, and try to find a solution. You know, um, it's very easy to, to say bad words, uh, but it's very difficult to take them back. And, you know, a lot of people don't even want to apologize, even they know that they're wrong. And that's why I approach things with a lot of positivity. Even if I have a problem with something or with someone, I try to do it, you know, in a positive way, um, try to discuss things and see what the problem is and how we can solve it. Uh, I, I, as I said, I hate conflict and I hate people who, who approach things aggressively. Mm. So I think that's, that's um, one skill that I have. I mean, like being positive and talking to people um, and being very diplomatic. Yeah. Well, that's perfect for a vice president, isn't it? <laughs> it's the right yeah, characteristic that, there. Yeah, I think that would, that will come in very, very useful. <laughs> come in yeah. handy. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Um, so apart from apart from what you're currently doing, are there any other things that are coming up for you in in the future? Well, um, um. Let me think. Okay, um, I'm currently working on uh, on a course on uh, graphic novels in in EFL and basically in ELT in general, and uh, that's something that I plan to to launch uh, in the second half of this year. So maybe you know after like June, um, I'm also working on materials for my students uh, because I like to, as I said, I like to write materials for my own classes because it gives me um, more freedom, you know, in my choice of topics and what I want to do and uh, where I want to go, you know, in which direction I want to go with my materials. Um, but I think that right now I just want to focus on learning um, everything there is to know about IATFL's charity because there are a lot of things that uh, I need to know uh, about that. Um, and uh, I really want to... Uh, focus um, on, um, well, not not my professional development, but I want to focus on the next steps in my professional career. So uh, am I going to focus more on teacher training? Because that's what I do as well. I'm a teacher trainer yeah, you, and I write materials for like teacher training courses. Um, or do I want to focus more on... Um, on creating my own content, mm. my, you know, not for self-publishing or like, but creating my own courses. So that's what I'm thinking about right now. Um, and I don't know, as I said, you know, I just go with the flow. I accept things as they come. You know, if something um, comes up that I feel is professionally challenging, you know, I want to do it, I will say yes and I'll do it. You know, if I have more free time, then I'm just going to focus on myself and my family. So I, I've decided not to kind of have a lot of plans, mm. you know, like things set in stone. So I have to do I it. think you have. I yeah. think you already have quite a lot to do at the yes. moment. <laughs> yeah. But I think that the graphic novels um, course is the main focus at the moment. And then whatever comes next, uh, to be honest. 
Now, Alex, if if some of our listeners wanted to 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 read or or access some of your stories, um, yeah, is there somewhere where we can send them? Uh, well, I don't post a lot of you know things that I write um, online. I don't know why. I'm not the kind of person who likes to 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 share that because some of my stories are quite personal, you know. Mm. But if they want to read something. Uh, about materials writing or just teaching in general, they can go to my blog, which I haven't updated <laughs> recently. <laughs> and I have, I have plans to do that. It's uh, ELT Shouts. Uh, okay. It's on WordPress. Um, and also they can, you know, follow me on LinkedIn uh, because I find LinkedIn really useful for like professional things. And yeah. I read a lot of things that I'm interested in um, uh, on LinkedIn. Um, I'm also on Twitter, but I don't use Twitter a lot. I don't tweet a lot. I don't know why. And I'm also on Facebook and I usually post things, share things, um, connected to what I do, uh, or things that I find interesting and events that I find interesting, you know, so they can just, uh, connect there and, and see what, um, I'm up to. Yeah. Great. Okay, a couple of questions for you just to finish. Yes. <laughs> okay, so thinking about your life story, yeah, which is a gift, um, would your life story be a musical or a movie? Oh, okay. Well, you got me there, Jane, because, you know, people don't know that I actually love musicals. When I was a kid, I just loved watching musicals, you know, like Kiss Me Kate, you know, the old ones. And I, I still love watching them. So, um, yeah, well, let's go with the musical. Why not? Great. I'll, I'll look forward to, <laughs> to seeing it. Yeah, yeah but I wouldn't it was, be singing it. So traveling. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? Um, I think that I would be a tiger. And I say this because I'm very fierce when it comes to protecting um, people I love. Um, okay. And that includes my students as well. Yeah. So, you know, friends, family, students. So, yeah. Yeah. That's the only reason, you know. Okay. Um, and the last one, um, then I won't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you could switch <laughs> lives with someone for a day, who would you choose? Um, I, actually, I wouldn't switch ever yeah. because I, I like my life. I'm really happy with it. You know, I've had a lot of ups and downs, and but I've always managed to uh, go through all the the things that have happened to me, and um, I'm still very positive, and you know, still very optimistically cute or cutely optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I I wouldn't. I like my life. I don't yeah. know how many people would say that, and I hope a lot. Uh, because it doesn't matter, you know, what, you know, whatever is happening to you at the moment, it doesn't matter because it will all just uh, go away one day, you yep. know, um, and uh, you just have to keep going. So I'm happy with my life. 
Amazing, Alex, really. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk. And I would love to talk to you again sometime in the future. Um, <laughs> and I, I hope to see you soon in person. Um, yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks for the invitation and the invoice as well. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, thank Harry, you very watch. Much. Harry's just said, um, see you in Belfast because he's listening in at the moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, see you there, yeah. Harry. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Um, thank you, Alex. Um, next week I will be talking to Robert Martinez, who is um, an online trainer, CELTA tutor, equals inspector. He does a million and one different things. So I'll be talking about his life and work in, in Spain. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Stay warm, stay safe. I know that um, I know I can see in the UK there's a, a shortage of teachers. Yesterday, my son had, I think, out of the 90 teachers in the school, 50 turned up. Um, so they're off ill or worried. Um, so to all teachers out there, do take care of yourselves. And and as Alex said, um, we are important and we're professionals <laughs> um have a have a lovely day um i'll remember to tune in later on this afternoon to listen to harry um and uh, that's it from me today take care you've been listening to teachers talk radio Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.